Hello, welcome to the Nostalgia Podcast. A podcast where we discuss the retelling or continuation of pop culture favorites as seen through a queer feminist lens. My name is Eric Lefebvre. And I am Jessica Tercero. Welcome. <laughs> so this week, uh, we watched The Mummy. We watched three of them. Oh boy. Uh, the first one was the Boris Karloff uh, 1932 version. Then we watched the 1999 Brendan Fraser Mummy. And then the horribly wonderful 2017 Tom Cruise mummy that everybody saw. But was it wonderful? Uh, well, we'll get into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, The Mummy was um, originally a film from 1932. Yes, starring um, Boris Karloff, who was sort of like one of the kings next to Bela Lugosi and the like oh, of yes. the early... Um, he was Frankenstein too, right? I believe so, yeah. Yeah, and he they won like a whole bunch of like awards and stuff for yeah. the the makeup because it was so it was incredible. wild. And even in this one in the mummy, I noticed like the first scene that he shows up, the makeup was fantastic. Oh, it was. And when he was walking around, apparently people were fainting because like <gasps> it was so scary. because like also like now we're used to this shit, right? And we're just like, "Oh, cool. Look at that." Like, you know, we go we go to places like Universal Studios yeah. during Halloween time to be scared. Yeah. But like this was so new back then that it's like people were legit thought that their mummy had come to That's life so and sick. it was crazy. I love that. Um, the 1932 version is really interesting because it kind of, it like all of these films centers around white people coming into um, foreign places, foreign places and looting and stealing things and taking it as their own. And then also getting mad when people who reside there, civilians of the place, get mad. In this case, a mummy is like, no, you can't take that from me. They're like, no, hide the map steal the like it's it's wild that they're getting bummed that like they're dying which also like i don't want to die but still don't steal people's shit but also they're killing the people <laughs> that like are fucking natives living there and yeah. trying to be like hey don't take our shit yeah so that's real fucked up yeah so anyways so the 1932 mummy is really interesting because um unlike the other two the mummy gets free like right off the bat and yeah. then we don't hear from him for 10 years no and then he right? shows he he's, sh so he's like super chill just kind of like learns the language yeah. learns how to live he's got this fucking sweet ass apartment yeah you know yeah. And, and he's just like waiting for the moment to where he can find his love anaxima moon's yeah. tomb and, and it's come just back. like yeah so he's like he's playing the slow game because he's immortal and he don't give a fuck he doesn't yeah. and it's also weird too because i feel like the way that the mummies and the other two that will get to come back is they like suck the soul out of people and like steal their life so in my head, in the original, I feel like the time that we don't see him, he's just like out killing random people to like gain his sentience. Well, not, oh, yeah, not even yeah, sentience, totally. but just like his organic flesh back to be like a person who doesn't look like a mummy. <laughs> but he like, but kind he of still does, does because, because like, he's, he's got like the like wrinkly yeah. like old leather skin. He shows up at the museum and he's just like playing the part fully, and you're just like everyone's like, "Who are you?" And he's like, "I'm no," and you're just like, "Oh no, you're the mummy." Like we're not dumb; <laughs> we know what's up. But everyone else is still just like a little like mm, I don't know. And then I did like how they kind of immediately jumped. So the movie's only like an hour. Yeah, it's like an hour and five minutes or something. And something. I, it's I do like that they immediately jump into this like love story that we've seen recreated in the uh, following two. But is it a love story though? No, no, it's a, it's, a, it's, <laughs> it's okay. Big air quotes. Love story. It's a story about manipulation, and it's a story essentially about abuse of power. So he has this power to like trick her or like make her come to him in, in any capacity because he wants to use her as a vessel for 
his old love in Oxuna Moon, right? And he's Emotep, mm-hmm. she's in Oxuna Moon, their whole love thing. Well, no, 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 but she's also the reincarnated version of her. Yeah, so that was what I wasn't super clear on, okay, is so... like finding the difference between them, because she is a direct lineage of that family line, which is why... Well, no, 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 but not also, like, also, so when I was like reading stuff about this, is there was a lot of stuff, um, there is a reincarnation scene that we didn't get that was filmed, but was never included in this. Um, and so this whole thing has to do with reincarnation. And like that's carried through in the later Mummy films yeah. as well. But it's not explicit yeah. in this. So we're like, you you have to infer a lot. Yeah. And I feel like um, the storytelling of the time didn't really allow for that. Or True. like, you know, like you didn't want to be too taboo to where like people wouldn't go see your film and yeah. stuff like that, right? True. So, um, so I'm not sure why it was cut. I don't know, but I feel like that could have added a lot to that scene. Yeah, because because even just with that, I'm like, oh well, that makes more sense that film, narratively, yeah. right? Um, but um, it's funny that you were talking. You jumped like so. Your thought process went straight to like the love between Emotep and Anoxima Moon, where you were where I thought you were gonna go was like, oh, the love story between the white dude that fucks everything up and the woman who's the victim in all oh, of this. Because that's where I, I was like, and I was like, is it a love story? Because like, he straight up is like, she's on the couch like, oh, like she fucking faints at true. the, like. And he um, picks her up at the door. So Emotep like, kind of like starts this ritual where he, he starts doing this thing and she ends up going to um, where he is because she is drawn to this like, almost in a hypnotic state. So she's at the museum where he's performing this ritual and she just kind of uh is like trying to bang on the door to get in and the dude that creepily followed her comes up and is like what are you doing and then she like falls down and then he picks her up and takes her and then he picks her up and takes her to her house she's never met this dude yep or his dad yep and like all of a sudden like she wakes up and she's so fucking calm like bitch i would be so i would freak out who the fuck are you yeah like so she wakes up and she's just like oh what's up and he's like i love you and she's like look i know where this leads like you know i don't want to bang yeah. like because she's so casual about like fucking banging yeah right? <laughs> i know which i love but it's also like these guys need to stop they need to chill they they super need to and chill. it really is interesting like yeah because it's a pining for her affection from both sides whereas emotep is like this is an afternoon when the guy's like no it's not this is this other person yeah so the thing that i loved so much about an moon in this is she she's lovely right and yeah. in the sense that or like you know the because uh, there's like a duality happening that yeah. you don't really get until the very end where she um she again is called by the thrall of um of emotep yeah. right to go to to go all the way back to um uh the museum mm-hmm. right where there's this exhibit uh, by the british museum in fucking egypt yeah. right and a full set change and, they're, and, they're and t- a full set and costume change that makes it feel like it's almost a time machine like now we're oh, back man. which is wild and i do want to point out something that was really funny when he's showing her the sarcophagus he like punches the glass of the case there's obviously no oh, yeah. glass but the foley <laughs> effect on it is just like like this huge breaking and it was just like the cutest little thing and i was like oh that's, that's so, so sweet, sweet. There- i love it <laughs> <laughs> but um so like he brings her to this um to this location and he brings her to the mummy chain like the mummification chamber yeah. right where he has like his like slave 
who he took a slave from the white man to then be his own slave. Yeah. Right? Which is it's slavery. Messy. It's like such a throwaway thing. Yeah. Right? It's just so casual. Like, well, we're white, so we're the only important people here. And but then like, oh, okay. he, he took that person and liberated them so they could be a slave for him. Yeah. Which, which is, is also fucked up. Yeah. But anyway, so he's like got this like cohort, essentially, that's like helping him prepare this mummification chamber because the only way to get... Anoxima Moon as he remembered her because he doesn't want the new version of her, right? He wants Anoxima Moon not reincarnate, but in her original form. Yeah, from millennia past. Like, Correct. He wants that version so of her. So he's trying to take her soul and put it into this mummified body of Anoxima Moon. Yeah. And so she is there and it's like interesting because it's almost like she's having a conversation with herself yeah. in the same way, I don't, this is going to be super nerdy, um, I don't know if you've ever seen Deep Space Nine. From Star Trek. No. But there's this character that has, like, uh, like it's a humanoid that has, like, a parasite living in them, and they share a consciousness, Ooh. and they kind of, like, make decisions together and stuff. Ooh. So it almost felt like that to where she was like, I don't want this person to die. You yeah. know, like, I'm, this is who I am now, because, like, if she, if Emotep took her soul out of there, then, like, the person that is this woman yeah. would then be sacrificed. And so they make a collective decision together as women, uh, as women, like, in womanhood type of, like, <laughs> you know, like, they're they're standing together mm -hmm. because they're not going to let this man destroy what they are now, yeah. right? And so, like, he's just like, no, I want you the way you were. And she's like, but I'm fine now, and yeah. I'm this new person. And I'm like, you know, I, I love who I am now because yeah. she, like... She sees, like, it, they have this bond, not just, it doesn't feel like it's just because they're sharing the same body, but, you know, Anoxima Moon is a little bit progressive in the way that she's just kind of like, this is who I am now. Like, yeah. you need to accept me for who I am. Yeah. And then he's just like, no! Rah! Yeah, and he gets all mad. I hate everything! Yeah. I hate change! Right? And she's... So general men. <laughs> just sounds men in like general. Men in general. Right. That sounds and... like a pretty... <laughs> <laughs> and she goes over and, like, you know, he's, like, literally, like, about to stab her. And she goes to her, her goddess, right? Yeah. She goes to Isis and is like, please, 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 like, you know, save me. And it's, I, what I love about this is, again, it's, it's women sheltering women. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, from, from toxic masculinity, from, you know, like, uh, patriarchy, all these other things, right? And so she goes to Isis for help and Isis is like, boom, fuck you. And then Isis obliterates uh the mummy whereas yeah. like otherwise he would have been immortal forever but a god struck him down because well because it, it was that but didn't they burn the scroll also so he was struck down and then they burned that scroll that they they had. did both they yes. did both and so yes. it was like that sort of symbiotic like this thing that he held so dear that was sort of like a part of his existence in some capacity that he wanted back so so bad that gets burned isis is like no thanks. And then he's dead. He well, and instead of focusing on the thing that could actually destroy him, right? Like bring the scroll and yeah. stuff like that. He focused on his prize, on the woman, yeah. right? He hyper focuses in on his, like his motivation is not necessarily staying alive. It is controlling the woman. Yeah. Truly. Yeah. Yeah. So, but I thought that that was really interesting. And like, I thought Zeta's character was really... It was really interesting. I keep saying Zidia because I can't remember her her name. But, like, because... Well, when we get to the next one, I'm going to be referring this to, This is like, the 1930s, and she's talking about casual sex. Just, like, sure, whatever. It's cool. Which is fun. You know, which he... is roaring, like, roaring 20s coming out of that. It's the 30s, right? Yeah. So still carrying on some of that, like, you know, rebellious spirit, right? Yeah. Which is cool. 
And she was, like, as an actor, was fucked over a lot during this. Like, she was put in... Okay, in pre- so... Like, in behind the scenes? Behind the oh, scenes. Oh, I didn't read about this. I'm sorry. So, um, behind the scenes, the director, he worked on Dracula and, like, Metropolis. He was also a cinematographer for Isle of Lucy, oh, um, which I loved. But he was a fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> so he, like, from day one was like, oh, this bitch, like, she is troubled. Like, y'all watch out because she's fucking troubled, right? Without, like, anything, right? And yeah. he would try to be like oh, you're going to have to do, like, a nude scene. And, like, thinking she was going to be like, oh, my God, no. And she's, she's like, like sure, let's get it past the critics. And yeah. he's like, ugh, ugh, oh, man. JK, But <laughs> the most fucked up thing he did, I think, was he put her in, a, in an arena with live lions. <sighs> Fucking lions, right? With no protection. While him and the rest of the crew and all the other people were in protective cages. She's just like a badass out there with these lions. Jesus. With, and so that's fucked up. And the more fucked up thing is that scene didn't even make it to the movie. <laughs> so this motherfucker was just like, cool, maybe a lion yeah. will eat your face. Well, also I you feel know? like that's indicative of like her career as a star because she was only in movies uh, up until the mid-30s. She did movies You want to like- know why? No. Or I well, do want to know why. Why was it? Because I don't know. I actually don't. <laughs> I, I don't want to know. Well, um, so she so, also, like, did the... She was uh, she was obviously, like, a co-star of this film, right? Yeah, the whole yeah. thing centers around her. And she, like, you know, it ends with her being the person to deliver justice to this yeah. person who's been abusing her for centuries, which is great. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, but, so, she was demoted from co-star to supporting actress when she refused to have her option picked up by Universal. So, Universal was like, oh, yeah, you don't want to play ball, sweetie? You're supporting cast. You're not co-star. Even though she's clearly a co-star. Yeah. That's fucking she's sexism. The, she's the lead. <laughs> so, she was being fucked over by the director and by the studio itself. Well, I, I fully pissed. believe that. And especially in, like, at that time in Hollywood where everything was male-dominated. All, like... No woman worked in those studios apart from just being the object of affection, the object of romance, the object of sex. Yeah. Like, that was, especially for the men and, like, the director and other people, that's what women were in this capacity. Whereas the male, the lead, essentially, the man was always the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he was the object of, like, strength and of empathy and of, of all these things for the audience because... Who are the men thinking about? Other men. But it was so fucking shallow. Like, I was just watching him and I'm like, he's not even, he's a supporting cat. Like, he, he's a supporting. He was so boring. It was the mummy and her. Truly. You know. He was, like. And she, she oh. saves herself at the end, which was great. Yeah. He was the most boring thing and even his acting was pretty subpar. It was just very, like, reactive and nothing like, felt. hello, I saved you. Yeah. Like, in that. Hello, I love you. Yes. And that moment Marry where he, me. Go, he goes to the door and he's just like, <laughs> look, they're like, what's happening? Give me a second. Comes right back and he's like, I don't know. And you're like, oh my God, shut up. Go to bed. Like, <laughs> it's just so, it's so tired and boring and it wasn't great. But even she had some like wonderful lines when she's in bed and like sick, supposedly. She says yeah. something like, like, oh, uh, fuck, I did it. I put it on my Instagram story. Um, oh yeah, I saw like, like something about, I have rich friends. I have rich friends. They have money. They'll give you money. Like, Ooh, these, daddy. <laughs> I know these wonderful little moments of like whimsy and just like good acting, but also just fun. And I just, she was captivating and great. And also the makeup of Boris Karloff and sort of the presence of Boris Karloff that, was like, also wonderful. shot that just kept happening over and over again, which I put on my Instagram story, yeah. right? Was just like him like sitting there with his eyes were like, 
glazed over and then they just like came into full focus and yeah. just like that shot of his face was yeah. so good it really was and like the, they were the best part of the whole film and yeah. they tried like the film tried so hard to not make it about them yeah but like i'm so glad that like the ending was just about them because that's what it was that's you know what, that was like the movie. fuck these white dudes that like were just like oh here oh we're not supposed to open this oh sure here whatever yeah. like you know, mm. it was like a mess. So yeah, that's literally. how the first one ends. And that yeah. was it, essentially. And we probably went into that a little bit more than we wanted <laughs> I to. I know, we were like trying to cut it down. And we were just like, <laughs> let's start like three minutes we're like, on well, this. three minutes. And now it's been like 20. <laughs> yeah. But, um, but mostly because like, I feel like that one, uh, we're so acquainted with the, I, I think a lot of our, our listeners are really acquainted with the 1999 version of The Mummy, yeah. right? And I, like, there was such a big difference between, like, you know, there, it was the occult, it was this, it was, like, you know, and I, I want to emphasize, like, how cool is it that The Mummy, like, just got up and walked out, and we didn't hear from them for 10 years, yeah. and, like, the archaeologist was, like, I'm not sure if it was shame, if it was him being scared for his own life or whatever, but he did not talk about what happened for yeah. those 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Whereas the other people are like, holy shit, oh my god, we gotta destroy this person! Yeah. You know, so I, I thought, like, I, I don't know, I think it's it's really important, and I think that those are um, those are some of the things that really made it shine, Yeah, you know, and truly. some of the things that were really lost in the, the other uh, reincarnations. Oh, of, of the, the mummy. mummy, yeah. Because in this one, it was very much like, he's awake, it's happening now, drama, 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 action, action, action. And that's what the difference between, so going into, I guess, the 1999 version Ooh, with Brendan nice Fraser, segue. look at this. Um, <laughs> this is just an action movie. This is Die Hard meets Boris Karloff. Like, oh, yeah, that's the first one just, was like a horror film. Yes, right? where all the shots were really sort of overexposed, not overexposed, but just like, we land on They're Boris really Karloff's ominous. face for like 10, 10 seconds. Really like, ominous. Very ominous, yeah. yeah. Whereas like, the this whole one... shot where, like, they were, like, when they were taking the scroll out and things like that, and the way that the camera moves in that in that first, like, ten minutes of yeah. the film, when they're, like, actually uncovering all this, it is shot like a horror film, for Truly. sure. Yeah. And, and this was... is Fun Action Adventure yeah. 1999. We're in a library. We're in the tomb. Oh we're doing God. this. We have a gun. Oh, my God. So we, <laughs> so, so we open on the next one in Hamanoptera. Brendan Fraser's there. We see him. He's shooting a bunch of brown people. Par for the course of American media in the 90s well, I mean, and be- now. Before that, there's like, you know, the like, this is emo tip, blah, blah, blah. And oh, there like, was a flashback. Yeah, there's a flashback right. first. Never mind. So we have the flashback. Well, they all start with a the flashback. They do. Or, yeah. yeah. Of, some, of some kind to sort of set the stage for like, here's the Egyptian lore or history of the so- characters we're about to discuss. And then we jump, we jump straight back into... Um, that fight with Brendan Fraser and then his friend Benny, who was like a scumbag. We find that out at the beginning, but he's wacky. Fun fact: the camels actually really hated him. So oh. that scene where well, he's, he's trying like, to pull the camel, where he's trying to pull the camel, the like, camels no. fucking hated him, and they're just like, "Fuck off, fuck you, yeah, we're done." <laughs> um, so that whole scene happens. So it shows that Brendan Fraser was at Hamanoptera, gives him the credibility. That's there, blah blah blah. You see the face come up out of the sand, and he's like in the whole toss up. So it's like, ooh, spooky. Here we go. And then we're introduced to Rachel Vice. Um, at the library, and this also, I didn't know this took place in 1923, in the same way that the other one did. Oh, also, interesting note about, um, about Rachel Weiss, right? So, this didn't make it into the film at all. I mean, it did in kind of, like, a throwaway line, where, um, she was talking about her daddy, and, like, who he is or whatever, right? Her character was originally meant to be Evelyn Carnivon, who was named after the daughter of George Habert, 
the fifth Earl of uh, Carvanon. Uh, he's the dude that funded the exhibition that led to the finding of King Tut's tomb in um, November of 1922. Uh, so her and her brother were supposed to be the children of the cursed Lord Carvanon, as mentioned in the line where she tells O'Connell that her father is a very, very famous explorer. So then later on, when the librarian, like the the, the dude overlord librarian, yeah. is like, you're only here because of your parents' money, yeah. right? You know, which, which it's is... because her her daddy was the one that found um, King Tut. Wow. Okay, I didn't know that. Because so, even then, I, I just assumed that was just some general exposition to explain, like, She's in the library. Every all the shit goes crazy because she like all the bookshelves fall. And then he's yeah. like, "You're lucky that your dad's a whatever, whatever." And she's like, "Whatever," but, you know. And then yeah. even the next scene when she sees her brother, he's literally digging through some very precious like mummy skeletons oh, and he's evidence. Like, he's just like he's pulling it apart. He's like, "Look at this hand like, I have." He's spooning a fucking mummy. Yes, <laughs> like, in, the, in, in the fucking sarcophagus. Yes. Like, holy shit, dude. <laughs> Which is just absolutely insane. But they're just breathing right past that. He's and like, also look at this Can Super we just gross. talk about how gross that is? I yeah. have never spooned a mummy. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, I've done it a couple times, but it's very... Neither here nor there. <laughs> Um, so let's go back to talk about like kind of like a little bit of an overview and maybe like some of the differences that like because I, I feel like the premise is the same where like you know white people come in take uh, brown people's artifacts and then end up like setting off a curse that is about to destroy the world yeah. uh, because of like some like some crazy love story that happened thousands of years ago and reincarnation and then it ends up that like white people save the world. Yeah, <laughs> which is and that, yeah they get the. Title. I mean, they get actually, the... in the in the first one, I guess, like you know, uh, the white people don't save the world, right? Because it is like she has um, uh, Zeta from the 1932 mummy has Egyptian blood in her, right? Yeah. So she saves she saves everybody <laughs> and right. everybody. She else. saves herself and everybody yeah. else. So that's not a victory for the white man, but the other two are definitely victories for the white men, which is boring. <laughs> yeah, super yeah. boring. It's white man comes in and uh, like. Despite the fact that the natives are trying to be like, hey, don't do this, there's a curse. They're like, yeah, whatever, fuck your curse, we don't believe in you. Kind of like belittling them and like treating them like they're stupid, which is fucked up. Literally the scene when they find the box where the Book of the Dead is preserved. Yeah. And they're like the the three white guys who get um, killed later. Spoiler alert, they die. Cute, love it. Um when they open the box it's like oh that's just a book we're not gonna get rich off of this and then they kick the box and it opens up to where the the small incantations of the organs that would be in place in these bottles for the mummy right they take those because they're like we're gonna be rich but bef when the box shows up all the natives who have helped them get there run away because they're like you're about to get cursed and we're not about to get cursed bye and they're like <laughs> they're stupid and you're like yay america yay and that's so wacky like oh my god so gross but that's, I mean, essentially where it starts, because then they find that book, uh, and then that night, I didn't know that Rachel Weiss is the one who brings him back. Fuck yeah! So, yeah. this is, like, um... Well, I forgot, rather, that, that she was the one who did that. I mean, like, <laughs> technically the men set it up, and she, she just kind of, like, she was the straw that broke the camel's back. True. Or whatever, right? Yeah. I felt like that was really shitty, because she is so smart. And she is so intelligent. Yeah. And she knows all of these stories about everything. She would have known better than to read that out loud. Yeah. And I felt like that was... I felt like that was just really shitty to have her do that. Because, like, that just kind of... 
because she's again she's just such a smart character yeah. she knows what she's doing well it's also sort of opposite of what they're already setting her up to be because they yeah. are setting up to be this very very knowledgeable person who is like the guide above all other men who are there essentially on her back they're riding her coattails and even when they're like riding to Hamanoptera, Brendan Fraser's like impressed that she's riding a camel it's like no she's a badass like the whole time they think she is less than she is and I feel like even in that moment where the men are like oh they'll they're not going to find anything because they have a woman leading her almost verbatim like that's what oh, they, yeah, say. they say that. and then she's like this is a statue of this and this is a statue of this and it's like an obvious cut to and antithesis from the phrasing before and I really like that because they're really resetting this character and then she's the one who reads the book and brings it back from the dead and then one of the the guy who said that is like no don't read the book so then they're doing the opposite thing where it's like yes. he's now smarter than her and you're like I don't know why you've set this up for her to be this person and then just take it away like it didn't make sense to me and when I saw it again I was like I don't remember that happening because I don't it seems wrong I mean, I guess now is the time to get into the injustices that they did to her. Yeah. Right? Because, like, that's one of them. Mm-hmm. Right? Is that they, you know, they set her up, like you said, to be this really smart, amazing person. And then they just took that away from her. Yeah. You know, in that scene. And then the whole time she's all like, oh, yeah, I want to do this. And she gets locked in rooms. And she gets like, you know, like, oh, you you can't be here. You can't do this. So she gets, she keeps getting denied, like, all of these places and all of these things and all these conversations that she should probably be a part of right or like you know like oh it's not safe so i'm gonna lock you in the room that's fucking indiana jones right like and she is she is not the the females from indiana jones where she just kind of like sits there and is just like oh like you know like what are you doing get back here and like you know like she is a person that has agency and she has uh she's so smart and she's so sweet but like the entire time is just told by all of these dudes that she's not smart. Yeah. Right? So, like, going back to the librarian, the first introduction of her, she is there and she is, like, putting a book on the sh- on the shelf, right? And then she tries to lean over a little bit too far and then just suddenly the entire thing is in chaos because yeah. she tried so hard to do this one thing yeah. and then she gets reprimanded for that. Yeah. And then, so that kind of sets the stage for how we're supposed to think about her. Super oh, actually, smart, that's really, but really yeah. clumsy. Yeah. Which is fucked up. Yeah. Because she's not, you know? She's not. Like, and so... Um, but isn't yeah. that very telling just for that one moment she tries to do this one thing and then everything falls to shit and everyone blames her for it. Like, that's yes. generally just her character in this film or how they've portrayed this character in this film. And then, like, you know, every time a dude has to come in and save it. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. like, she gets captured by um, Emotep, right? Yes. And then her, bro- like, so her whole motivation throughout this whole time was to try to find this book. Yeah. And then her brother gets to be the one to read from the book. So she is telling him, like, oh, what is this hieroglyph? It has this and this. And she's like, oh, that's this. Oh, so, like at the end. At the end, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so he gets to control the army and he gets to be the person to live her dream, right? Yeah. And she doesn't even get to touch the fucking book. Yeah. Right? Because then the motherfucker, as they're running out, drops her fucking book that is like her whole motivation for this. And then she's reduced to a fucking trophy. Yeah. You know, like every time she does something, she never, she never actually gets to per- be the person that does something. It is always her doing it through, like, a man using her knowledge to accomplish the task. Yeah, truly. And that's so frustrating the entire time to see that. And then to know that that scene exists where she's the one to blame, essentially. Visually, she's the one to blame. Yes. Right? That's what we're supposed to believe. And that is just... It's just... It is so incredibly frustrating that she is the, the cause of it, or that's what we're supposed to see. And then even when, like... 
he's about to take her and Brendan Fraser wants to do this like shoot Imhotep. Imhotep's just like, no, you're coming with me. She's like, if I don't go with him, you're going to die. She's sacrificing herself. She's literally sacrificing herself. And she's like, because you don't understand the situation of this. I do. If I don't go with him, there will be consequences. He's like, no, well, I have a gun. And she's like, stop, honey, please. Yeah, sweet. (laughs) Sweetie. Sweet baby. Sweetie. (laughs) Chill out. But, like, also, (laughs) like, so let's talk about motivation for a minute. Yeah. And this, right? So, um, Brendan Fraser, his character, O'Connell, right? His motivation throughout the whole thing is ever-changing, but it's always self-serving. Yes, right? truly. So it's either treasure, it is his life, if he's running away from gunfire yeah. or whatever, it is, it becomes Evelyn because at some point he starts to care with her, or about her, even though their fucking introduction was the worst thing, and I oh, just he forces didn't... a kiss on her at the jail, like, he just pulls her to the cage and is just like, and you're like, fuck off. I'm sorry, how the fuck are you supposed to find that charming? Yeah. Like, I just found him super repulsive the yeah, entire time. Yeah, gross. Super repulsive and super, like, uh patronizing whereas like back when i was like a kid right i was like oh this is great because like that was literally what like the picture of a good dude was that was men yeah that was a hero that was masculinity that was masculinity yes and like and we were just as women we were there to support that yeah and then when this chain of events started right that unfortunately she was the catalyst for yeah right she her motivation switched and her so her motivation was never self-serving right i mean maybe like a little bit because like knowledge probably trying to like you know keep up with her daddy or prove that she was like you know but like i think i don't feel like it was for other people i feel like it was for like it was or yeah i feel like it was not to prove to other people but just for like humanity yeah she was curious right. and also like if there was one self-serving thing that she had as far as her motivation is concerned it was that she was curious for knowledge, and she was curious for yes. discovery, and she was curious for adventure. She wanted to find these all these new things, things that were not allowed to her. Yeah, that were right? taken from that her were again. Denied yeah, to her she, as a woman, like you said, she didn't have the agency or capacity to do that in the eyes of this sort of male-dominated. Well, she had the capacity to do it, but she was not but, allowed. to But do not it. to the men. The men yes. completely underestimated getting, her at every pass. She would not be allowed to go to a university because she didn't have field experience. But she exactly. couldn't get field experience because she couldn't get somebody to take her out because exactly. she's a liability. Yep. But, like, her motivations were always, um, were always for general humanity or for her own curiosity, right? It was first knowledge, and then her motivations changed to wanting to save the world. Yes. Right? Because she understood what was at stake, whereas Brendan Fraser's motives the entire time were like, I want to save my life. Yeah. You know, I want to be with this girl. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Which is, like, the most boring thing, and it's also the most relevant to... It's, I guess straight men in general, that's like, I feel like the end game for a lot of men and like, that's their call to adventure. That's their conquest is like finding a woman. And it's just like, <sighs> and they also never take ownership. So boring. No. Right. Of like, we are the people that we should have listened. Yeah. Like they never once say like, nope. we should have listened. We should have not done this. Yeah. Like it is like, Oh, this is fucked up. We're going to fix it. And then they're allowed to be the heroes at the end, which is real shitty. And Rachel Weiss, Vice, sorry, is not allowed to be that person nope. because she, like, again, the men use her knowledge in order to free her or in order to, so, like, she's, she's in a sense freeing herself or saving herself, but she has to do it through a man yeah. in order for it to happen. Yes. Which is really fucked which is up. Which wild, isn't it? And then, like, her whole, like, her whole treasure is like it's so it's so symbolic that her her doofy ass brother who <laughs> likes to spoon mummies tossed that shit in the pool and she goes back to get it and they pull her back yeah. so they're essentially like 
forcing her into her narrative later on. Yeah. Right? They're forcing her to give up her life's conquest to just be their sidekick. Yep. Exactly. And it, that's even evident at the end, too, when the whole destruction of Hamanoptera happens. Like, everything collapses. They're running from these falling pillars. Then they're just, like, leaving. And Brendan Fraser's sort of cadence and the way he's treating her is very much like, wow, you did it, kid, sort of a thing. And you're like, no, she was the leader. She saved you so many times. Like, even on the boat, when he's, like, loading his gun and not paying attention, the and bullet holes. Him? And she pulls him away before you get shot. Like, yeah. she literally has saved you so many times. And you have not saved her. And now you're belittling her and treating her like she's a sidekick. You're like not you giving said. her the the satisfaction of saying, like, hey, thanks for saying. He never once thanks nope. her for any of that. He's just like... Hey, kid, you did it. Yeah, and you're just like, Like, that's so... But, like, this is what I want to talk about, like, where it's, like, in the 90s, we had this, like, girl power movement, right? Where it's, like, and I really latched onto that. I love Spice Girls. I love, like, you know, like, Josie and the Pussycats, all this shit that we got, right? And it was, like, I can do that. Yeah, I can fucking play an instrument. And lo and behold, here I am in a punk rock band now. (laughs) But, like, but I loved these things that were telling me that I could be something, that that I could do something. Mm -hmm. And what sucks is we had these... So... I guess it, it's like, you know, we have like stages to progression, right? Yeah. And to like, so this was like the moment where we were being told that we could do something, even though everybody else in the film or in this universe was telling you that you couldn't you do that. Yeah. Right. So what I loved is Evelyn, she had these moments where like, you know, everybody told her that she was shit or, you know, like that she wasn't capable or that, you know, like stay in the room because you can't do anything, that sort of thing. But like, she knows she's intelligent. She knows she's smart. She knows that she's important and that she needs to be there, right? Yes. And so when she comes up and when she, like, it's almost like, I mean, and I can really relate super hard to this, right? Where you're told that you're nothing a lot and that seeps into your head, even though you know that you're not. Like, that that just becomes, like, how you think about yourself. Yeah. And so when you do something smart or when you do something that, like, you know, uh, solves everything or whatever you are just so surprised and so excited at yourself and you're so like, you know, so she had these moments where it was just like, oh, I did it, I did it, you know? <laughs> Even though she knew she could do it, she was she surprised herself because she's been told over and over again. Yeah. So she's not just proving to other people that she can do it, she's proving to herself. So she's battling her, her inner monologue because, yeah. you know, like, even if you know that you're something, like you're, you're better than what other people say you are, and this is why mental health is so important and the people that you surround yourself with and everything, yeah. right? Like, the other people and how they view you and the things that they tell you really seeps into your head and that becomes, you know, that becomes your inner monologue, yeah. right? And so when you see those moments, for me, like, as a kid, I was like, see, see, I knew it. I knew she could do that. And now as an adult that's, like, kind of, like, dealing with those types of um, constraints, you know, yeah. like, you know, like, trying to lift those chains and trying to come, uh, like, come away from that, I'm like, this is what she's doing. Yeah. She's realizing, like, I can do this. So it's like, it's this breath of fresh air that keeps her going. Yeah. You know, and it's so sad and it's so fucked up because she has always been capable. Yeah. You know, and she's like, it's a moment specifically for her. And I love that they kept that in. But it sucks because it's also like, to the audience, like, see, see, she's a girl and she could totally do yeah. it. See, like, oh my God. Which is just so frustrating when everything else is so obvious. When you see these, Voices of doubt, literally telling her she who can't do it. Who else is educated? No one. No, no, nobody. Her. She's the only one who's They're actually. They're all fucking like ragtag drunks yes. or like in prison or whatever. And... and she's the only fucking educated person that is allowed to be 
in this story. To be there. Everyone else is a treasure hunter or out for his, their own ego or just along for the ride because of tangential connection, right? Yeah. Like, and that's... That, for me, is why when I say Rachel Weiss is the mummy, like, for my sort of nostalgic factor for this film, where I go back and I'm like, that film was sick. It's because of her existence in the film and her narrative within it, right? Where she, like you said, overcomes not only just that self-doubt that was given to her by people who, men, who didn't think she could do this thing, but at every pass is told, no, 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 no. And she says, yes, yes, yes. And she does it. She does these things. She saves these people who don't even thank her. They don't give a shit. And at the end of the story, she accomplished so much and grew so much and everyone else stays stagnant. They don't grow. They don't change. But we feel like they do because of her. Because of her. So she's carrying the weight of all of the characters at that point. She's She's the center of the film. Yes. She really is. And that's why the mummy is Rachel Weisz. It really is. You know? Um, I want to, well, there's two things I want to talk about. First, we can talk about Emotep, and then let's talk about um, how they treat people of color in this film. Can yes, we? Yes, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Um, so first, I want to say um, Emotep is pretty much Voldemort. Ooh, right? yeah, let's talk about it. Um, so they both are called He Who Must Not Be Named, right? Um, they're both bald with long, flowing, ominous, like, black robes, right? Yeah. So, like, and, like, so much of their cinematography is just, like, so similar. Like, the shots, so, like, you know, like, nose up, just kind of looking down at everything and, yeah. you know. Um, and also, they both love taking other people's souls. Truly. Like, so, I mean, like, really, like, the OG Voldemort is Emotep, I believe. Yeah. He was he did a millennia before Voldemort. I know, like uh, maybe like uh, Voldemort in in like an alternate timeline was like really inspired by like Emotep and all that stuff, yeah. or like I picture Voldemort with like his like bedroom as a teenager and all of like you know like instead of like pop stars or like you know BTS or whatever, yeah. it's like posters of like Rasputin and like Emotep and. <laughs> I want to see that room. That's so goofy. Oh my god, I really do. <laughs> but like, you know, just all these people like, oh man, these are my people. This is what I can do. Yeah, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. Like, these are my, super fanboy for all these bad yeah. boys. Oh Ooh. my gosh. Yes, exactly. <laughs> was, he, was he like gay for them? Maybe? Like... Possibly. I mean, you're talking about Voldemort? Yeah. Yeah, well, because I mean, he was obviously gay. That's canon. That's yeah. queer canon for the I Harry mean, Potter yeah, universe. Exactly. Like, absolutely. Like, mm-hmm. So I would say, yeah, a little bit because he, I mean, are we talk, we're just talking about Harry Potter now. So Tom Riddle was like all misunderstood and like yeah. had to be in the closet and was just like, you don't get me, blah. And it was like this whole thing. Um, so possibly to that, to that sort of strength, right? Because in a place where he felt like he had no strength, white guy, he has a little strength, but whatever. To then grow up and be like, I was misunderstood and I'm also strong now. Let me show you how strong I am. So, yeah, yeah. you heard it here first. Um, Voldemort uh, <laughs> was, like, a super fan. Yeah, totally yeah. gay for Emotep. Voldemort was gay for Emotep. That is queer canon. That is... <laughs> that's where he pulled a lot of aesthetic and shit yeah, from. Yeah, honestly, like, that's fact. Yeah, yeah true. And honestly, is. the open shirt, like, just chest out all the time. Oh, hell yeah. Um, was super sick for me, like, a young gay, just like, oh, what? But it was also, it just felt very gay. Like, his sort of existence, apart from, like, his longing love for Anak Sun and Moon, he felt very just kind of, like... I feel like the way he carried himself, even, and the way that he just, like... I don't know, like, his presence. Yeah. Like, I mean, like, cool. Like, Anak Sun and Moon wasn't even, like, a real person. Right? No. Uh, like, because even in, like, the, the flashback, she was, like, an object of desire. Yeah. Right? They never... I'm, I'm not sure if they actually boned or anything, because it just showed the one time, because she had the body paint, and it was smudged, yeah. right? Yeah. But, like... 
I mean, maybe it was she wasn't necessarily a person to him. She yeah. like, and she he's loved her for so long in this sarcophagus for like millennia. Yeah, or not millennia, whatever. You know what I mean? Well, for a long time. For a long, for a long fucking yeah. time. But like, <laughs> he he's loved her so much for so or loved quote unquote because that is uh, I have lots of feelings around that word and about yeah. how it's used and when you quote-unquote love something for so long it becomes like an obsession right and like in the way that he was denied this and this person for so long that that became his identity and now his obsession is her yeah it's not necessarily so and it's no longer even emotional it's just object possession like he wants to own her he wants her to be there he wants to have her which is you know if we're going back to like the original mummy right that was a that was, that was it that was the whole same. fucking thing yeah. so i feel like they did nail that yeah you know even if like it's just such subtext that like we're you know we can only talk about that in things like this right yeah. or in conversation True. but like you know um but i feel like yeah that was absolutely a thing where anoxima moon wasn't necessarily his love or a person or anything it was that she was now this object of this is why I was put in this position. So this is now my existence is I need to fulfill this. Yeah. You know. And what's wild about that too is even in that opening scene, um, with the flashback, she what what did she say? She says, My body is no longer his temple, referring to the Pharaoh, because she was essentially his property, she was his lover. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then at that whole process when he shows up and he's like, You're cheating on me or whatever, she's like my body is no longer his property. Like, Fuck yeah! It's no, like, my body is no longer his temple. And I was like, that's sick. But then she also just kind of like that's it. gave herself she, to Emotep she... in a weird way where she's like, I, I didn't like that it was sort of breaking the bounds of, of, of ownership into autonomy and then to be like, oh, and then like, oh, Emotep, I'm yours now. And then that's, that's essentially like the whole process and he's trying to get her back and she's like, my love or whatever. And then that's that whole thing. And even, which we're not going to talk about, but the following film, when her character kind of gets more fleshed out. I mean, we are going to talk about it. I know. I guess we're going to talk about it right now. But her character gets a little bit more fleshed out. She's still sort of in that structure where like Rachel Weisz's character is a direct combat against her because she's like, this is my person. This is my dude. Like, fuck you. Yeah. You know, and they have that whole fight. That's super sick. But. Oh, well, this is like a sequel. The sequel. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, That was a sequel for the mummy. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm talking about. For the 1999 mummy. Yeah. So the 2001 or two. Yes. The 1999 mummy. It was a sequel to that one with Rachel Weiss and then the following sequels, which are not canon, do not count. That's the whole thing. But um, I just thought that that was really interesting. And then the treatment of people of color or native people in this film. Oh, boy. Let's talk about this. What a wild ride that is. I mean. Also, in the last one, it was really bad, um, but I want to get into it with this one, again, because it's what most people associate with The Mummy. Yeah. Lots of people haven't seen the 2017 one, thank God. Yeah. But, like, a lot of people also haven't seen the... Anyway, so this is the nostalgia one. This is the real the real one where yeah. we're like, oh, fuck yeah, The Mummy, right? Remember how cool that was? I love that film. Um, but, like, really, the film starts off with uh, French people... Kill, like and a American that's yeah. in charge of this French battalion, uh, killing people of color that are there trying to stop them from unleashing this horror yeah. or like taking their fucking sacred land because that is fucked up. They're literally and then, like, protecting Hamanoptera and they're just like, we're gonna go in there, fuck you. Or even just being like, oh yeah, th- like I know that this is your heritage, but this is mine now. Yeah, you we're know? taking this. It's just colonialism. That's literally what's happening. That is so. That's Duh! all it is. Why it's... are we championing yeah. this? Yeah, and then our hero is on the side of the colonialist who's trying to take that land or trying to take their treasure because for him, at this point, it is treasure, but then it becomes ego. And I mean, it's a little bit of both. It's a blending of the two, but that's the person we're supposed to champion. That's the Which hero of our story. Up! It is fucked up. I know. 
so um the parts like i i had uh i had a lot of a lot of issues but i will go with the thing that is like the that like sticks out more than anything to me so the the warden mm-hmm like when white men and brown men are written exactly the same but the reactions to them by the other characters are like you know uh, differentiate it tells us how we're supposed to react to people like saying these types of things yeah. right and that can completely change how you feel about a character oh true um, yeah for instance so like to bring it back to something else so like parks and rec season one right leslie nope was exactly the same as she's been written all throughout the series but in season one everybody hated her and kind of treated her like a joke and just like oh that's great and we're really like kind of patronizing yeah. and then they changed for season two throughout the rest of uh the seasons how every they didn't change leslie nope they changed how everybody else like responded to her yeah and then suddenly it was amazing and leslie was like this this person that she became she was the leader she was she was incredibly endearing to all the characters but they also respected her with such like esteem she was so strong and confident whereas before like you said yeah i noticed that too that's so wild yeah so and and there was like an interview i heard on like npr about it oh okay with the with the writers and stuff but so like i feel like the same way in this right in in terms of like the white guy is written to be like just kind of a asshole kind of a like kind of like abrasive kind of like just like his own person and kind of like witty and funny right yeah and the brown guy is also written like that too like with those same things i could see o'connell saying the same things or doing the same things that the warden does um no i i i fully agree it's they they're essentially the same character like you said they're they're written the same way but our perception of them we're essentially being told how to feel about them for instance let's talk about the camel scene where they're all fucking riding camels Mm -hmm. and then they're just like oh these creatures are so gross i hate these creatures they just spit and are like jerks and blah 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 and then it immediately cuts to the warden spitting and being just kind of like gross obnoxious like kind of trying to make a parallel between like these fucking animals and these human fucking animals right and i was so uncomfortable about that i didn't even notice that shit oh man it was real fucked up yeah (laughs) i mean totally unsurprising generally i mean from back then it's not something i would have picked up and even now like i guess i didn't pick it up but like just from the context and narrative space of this movie it doesn't I'm, I'm not surprised i mean white people made this the white person's a hero even though they do the most fucked up shit like they're the ones stealing stuff they're the one making they're the whole reason these... that this movie happened yeah and ugh, that's terrible and it doesn't change the next one either it's the exact same thing it really is it really is so i guess with that we will move to the 2017 yeah. version of the mummy yeah so it's the same thing. We have a flashback at the beginning, right? It goes to 1127 AD, England. Um, they bury a knight, I guess, who has the It was stone. weird that they decided to go with that first before, like, any of the... Her story. Like, yeah, before like, they go into her whole backstory. I mean, like, they center on the European people before they even center on the Egyptian people, which is crazy. Because, it's, it's just so wild because, like, the story is about these Egyptian people. We never even talk about the fucking Crusaders, right? Nope. It's just like, cool, here's a stone. Like, wait, I thought I was watching The Mummy. I was legit confused. Yeah. I was well, like, am I watching the right fucking movie? For a second, I literally thought it was going to be, like, a white mummy. And I was about to be like, 
I'm, I'm, I don't think we're going to talk about this. I'm done with this movie. I can't do this. But then they cut to the other thing and they were like trying to say that, oh, you know, they found this tomb with like all this stuff and it's ties to this because of that. And then I'm also sort of like, well, who are these people? And then we have Tom Cruise and... So immediately we're making yeah. it... We're making the very first statement about the story about white, white dudes. Yeah, white dudes, exactly. White dudes, and then colonialists it's going... who killed native people in the sake of conquest, in the sake of, 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 of ego and of obtainability, of taking land, of taking things, of taking yes. ownership, which is the history of white people in general, I think, white men in general. Ugh. Like, all they've done the entirety of their existence on this planet. Um so yeah, we've already centered it around them, and then we cut to a bit of the Egyptian history, it looks like. So it's a flashback to the pharaoh, um, to who's supposed to be the new god of Egypt. Um, her father has a son, and she realizes that he's going to be the heir. So um, she makes a pact with evil incarnate, essentially, to gain the power of life, to exist forever, or to embrace evil, and then also just like... She essentially, she gains rule. the power of evil. Right? Power people, yeah. And so she, like, makes a pact with, like, a, a demon. A demon, yeah. Right? And she has to be naked to do it because, of course. Obvs. Right? True. And I mean, then... same. That's how, when, <laughs> like... I, when I do it, that's how I do it. I'm fully nude. I do grow two extra pupils. It's hella cute. I've taken a couple selfies. It's very, very chill. Oh, man. I'm yeah. excited for this. It's, it's a good time. We'll post them later. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, so, yeah. So she's there and she's just, like, cool. Like, her, like, okay. So I want to understand her thought process. Oh. I guess, like, really just in all of the films, I don't understand people's thought processes, right? Yeah. So, like, in the original, it was, like, I'm going to condemn this dude to, like, a fate worse than death, but he's going to live forever. Like, yeah. not thinking that anybody would ever dick him up. Like, that's fucking egocentric. <laughs> like, I mean, of course, like, we're all curious. Like, everybody's curious. Like, even if, like, it wasn't eventually the white man, maybe it would be, like, somebody like somebody eventually would be like this is bullshit yeah. like you know or be like oh oops like his accidents happened right <laughs> like you're trusting in humanity and you should never do that yeah no <laughs> but then like the second one too also like he's so pissed at this dude and he just like straight up like gives him a face worse than death but before that he makes that bitch immortal and then decides <laughs> that like before they even like bury him they know that if he gets this curse he's going to have the power to destroy the fucking world why the fuck give yeah. him that power why like, not just like bury him alive and be fucking done yeah, with it like, it probably won't like, happen because that's all male jealousy that's yeah. happening and oh so that's gosh. more patriarchy bullshit right it's so Ugh. wild. It so, is so wild. So then this one, so like, I, like, first of all, just like, maybe don't give them powers, don't make them immortal and just kill them. Yeah. Right? Or just bury them just alive. End it. Like, your, your point is, you, you got your point across, yeah. right? But then, like, so for this one, she makes this pact and she does the thing. And then, like, so I thought that, like, this storyline, the way that they set it up, was uh, better, like, or made more sense, right? Because. The other ones, it was like, oh, well, you know, you're going to suffer and we're just going to, like, we're imprisoning you after yeah. we make you powerful, right? Yep. And this one was, she made herself powerful. Yeah. What drove her to this was patriarchy. Yep. Right? She. Yeah. It was nepotism within that, right? Correct. So, like, she had this power. She was given this. She was essentially saying, and even in the narration by Russell Crowe, okay, Russell Crowe's also <laughs> in this and he's the narrator at the beginning, <laughs> which is a hard yikes. Oh, boy. And a hard, what? Excuse me? And his character is just... I didn't even know he was there. I didn't either. My notes, literally, I was like, <laughs> Russell Crowe is in this? Hard yikes. And now he's narrating? Oh, no. That's what I wrote. <laughs> that's that's like, exactly what this Yeah, says, that's what so my great. notes. It was so dumb. So he's narrating, and, she, and in the narration, he's like, she's going to be held or heralded as a new god, as a, as a god incarnate, right? Like, she is a god on earth. 
And that was sick. And then it's like nepotism stuff. And she's like, I got to do this. And then so she kills a baby brother and her dad. And now she's like. Once she gains the power of, of this devil yeah. person. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. She could have just fucking killed him. Yeah. Like she could have killed him and be done with it. But like her as a woman, she didn't have the strength to do this evil act. So she had to call upon like some other force to be able to help her with it because like she's not strong enough just as she is as a woman yep. to be able to commit this act. Mm -hmm. And then it's real fucked up because so the villain of this story is essentially jealousy. Yes. Right? And then jealousy is like carries out its motives through sexual acts. Oh yeah. Because the whole time the the woman as she starts sucking people's souls, which all of the mummies in this do, instead of just showing, like, where, like, she pulls someone in and, like, kisses them and stuff like that, she is full on, on top of them, fucking, it looks like softcore porn. Yeah. Like, the way that she is straddling these dudes. And it's always dudes, it's never women. And did you also notice that she's doing the exact same thing that the other mummy did, the other Emotep, in the 1999 one? Mm -hmm. He was sucking the souls of dudes, too, but, like, their faces were far apart. He can suck... Their souls out from like a good couple feet away oh, from no, their face. Oh no, she had to like have but tongue. This, she literally had to be Frenching their full on mouth to suck the soul out of them, which I was just like, and like straddling okay, them to do so because she would always like ninety percent of the time she like threw them to the ground and then just like fucking straddled them yeah. and it was like, yeah. Ugh. And her fucking strategic like little like wraps, how they would fall off or mm -hmm. how like she had so many ass shots too. Can like. It was oh wild. My because God. I will say she also looked hella scary with like the four eyes and like everything. She yeah. looked awesome. Like as a she monster, was a she was sick. She was so cool. But I just it's wild the little variations there. Cause also like we've established that Demotep is queer canon. Why can't we have him kiss another guy? Like he's already yes. gay. Voldemort, all that. It's all there. Make it queer. Make it ha like it could have been there, and they were just like, no. Also, like, okay, why didn't she whatever. do that to the woman when she stole Blondie? Right. right? I'm gonna call her Blondie because like I never really got the characters' names in this, so it's gonna be Tom Cruise because Tom Cruise is just Tom Cruise in this movie. Yeah. And then Blondie, Blondie. And, then and then Mummy. Oh, I and then I do Nick Miller from New Girl. That's <laughs> okay, so okay. in my in my notes, his <laughs> actual character name is Nick Miller from New Girl in any capacity. It's Excellent. Just, yeah. Because that's who he is. I mean, it is. and that's also just the character he's playing. He's just playing Nick Miller from New Girl. <laughs> I So I loved that she was in a prison. That Again, that made more sense to me. It was so cool that, like, but also, like, what is that, this saying? That the villain is the embodiment of jealousy that carries out her acts of, like, vengeance through sexuality. Yeah. Uh, so female sexuality is something to be feared, mm -hmm. right? And female jealousy is something to be feared. Yeah. Because that, that's all we get from her. We just know that she's jealous and that she will, like, stick her tongue down your throat if you're a dude. Yeah. But she should have done that to Blondie. Yeah. 100%. And I loved her as a villain. I really did. Because I thought she, she was, was great also. fucking badass. But, yep. like, every time, like, they just over-sexual... Like, they made her a sexual object. Yes. You know, it was just like, here's an ass shot. Here's an ass shot. Here, like, uh, out of focus ass... Like, Whatever. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like, this is not the most interesting thing about her. What's interesting is when she imprints on Tom Cruise, right? And then she decides, you are the person that is going to be my person for this, right? Yeah. And she, like, the way that she mind controls him 
and manipulates him to like you know he's driving the car and then all of a sudden he's back, he's back. to her like that shit was that was so sick. fucking cool well because even before that when it first starts happening and he just like wakes up in the middle of the street right like yeah. he has that vision of rats and then she's in the alleyway and he gets like overcome by rats and then blondie pulls him off the street and he's like what are you doing and it's like oh he didn't know where he was he lost essentially time and it was a vision or a, a, um, a daydream almost yeah because she got in his head that was cool like all of that like you said so impressed i was super but then is that like a comment on like female manipulation and shit like that too? oh to like the man like oh she's tricking you or something or like and like offering him like you'll live forever you'll do all this other stuff you know like so i feel like really the the it, it just i loved i loved everything about her but like i'm i'm still kind of wrestling with the fact that like her whole thing, because she's she's first of all so much more complex than Emotep. Yes, without right? a doubt. Because yeah. Emotep's whole motivation was like, I want my woman back exactly how she was. Yeah. And her motivation is like she's trying to fulfill her end of a bargain. Yes. And she's also like, and even above that, she was trying to get vengeance. Yeah. For her dad having a kid. Yeah. Which sucks, you yeah. know, but like. That's patriarchy. She was a victim of patriarchy Truly. because this kid was just born and then all of a sudden, like, everything that you've worked for your whole life doesn't matter because a dude was born. Yeah. And that's why I kind of also liked her more as a character because it felt, yes, the negatives of the character, of the villain herself was, like, jealousy-focused, sexual-focused, but the motives from the beginning was just a response to nepotistic patriarchy. And it was relatable. And it was relatable. Yeah. 100% where she's like, she is powerful and she's doing this. And her dad's like, yeah. And she's like, yeah, I'm the new queen. I'm a god. Let's go. And then this baby's born. And it's like, nope, they're the god. You're out. Bye. Like, yep. But then she's also doing it through, like, through masculinity. So, because she has to call upon this demon. Demon. And then yeah. she has to set him free with another man. Yes. So, like... Even she can't even get her vengeance herself. She has to get it through a man. Yeah, true, true. Yeah, you know? and that's it's it's frust it's frustrating. So there there's to me there are positive and negative aspects to this yes. dynamic character. Yeah, because that she to me was the most interesting part of this movie. Tom Cruise, fuck yeah, she the was the most boring white guy. Uh, Nick Miller from New Girl, super cute, but also was a zombie and like also was fake and also a part of also, Tom Cruise's we- mind and was also like. Why are you here? Can we talk about how, like, <laughs> he called in on airstrike on, like, oh. a fucking city that he didn't even know was, like, evacuated by civilians? And it was just like, I must save my skin. Fuck off. So, After fucking Tom Cruise, like, cuts his water skin. So he's like, hey, you're going to go with me. Adventure. <laughs> so fun, right? Bro, like, bro, bro. That is, like, life and death. Yeah. And that's the start of the movie. That's like the beginning after this and first they're flashback. US soldiers. And they're U.S. soldiers. They're they're talking about going down there to steal treasure, which is also its own little thing. And then they're like, "Well, we have to," because I guess the justification was there were quote unquote terrorists destroying part of the land and part of the history there. And so, remember those guys who were with the guns, like just shooting the statues and stuff. They were just terrorists. There. They were just terrorists, but like or like the insurgents, as they call the it. insurgents. Yeah, but it was just another way to say terrorism. But like that was self justified based on. Tom Cruise and Nick Miller from New Girl, but it wasn't, like, verified by any means. So they go into this town. They don't know civilians have been evacuated. And now it's just a gunfight. They're on the roof, and they're, like, trapped, and they're stuck. And because they're trapped and stuck, because they inserted themselves into the situation, they call an airstrike 
on this village, at which point they don't know if civilians have been evacuated or not. They just and they just blow the shit up. And they know they're in trouble. And it's either they blow the shit up and possibly kill a bunch of people who they don't care about and they don't know. Or and you're not t- supposed to care about. And you're not Russian. supposed to. Exactly. And, or they die. But then, like, so for, for people that are consuming this, like us, we're like, what about the people? Because you see, like, a bicycle. You see, like, pots and pans here. It does not look abandoned no. by any means. People right? have been living there as of that morning. Yes. <laughs> and then, like, all of a sudden, like, what the fuck are you doing? Right? Yeah. And then, like, there's the throwaway line, which pissed me off so fucking bad. And it was just like, oh, the civilians had already evacuated. And it, it just sucked because it was like, they didn't know, like, they acknowledged that they didn't know that the civilians had evacuated. And they were, because... So the reason that these two guys are there in and the like, you know, our introduction to them is they are two long range scouts for the US military in Iraq. And they are supposed to be going and gathering intel on the insurgents and where they are, you know, so they can do war and do all that shit, right? Um and I know how I sounded doing No, that, I but love it, that. No. It sucks. So they can do war. Yeah, yeah. So they yeah. can do war. They can do war, right? Yeah. But like Tom Cruise is, like, this person that is a treasure hunter, right? So he abuses his position to go and fulfill his own selfish needs. And it's it's said, like, even the sergeant knows that he is doing this and plundering these, like, sacred, uh, sacred site, like, historical sites and selling these items on the black market, which, first of all, is fucked up. Yeah. Right? Just for anybody to be doing that, especially in present day, knowing what's going on. And he doesn't give a shit about that. Yeah. Second of all, he's doing this as a representative of the U.S. military. So he is blatantly not following orders and super far off from where he's supposed to be because he just wants to make a quick buck. Yeah. This is something, like, my, my husband was in the Navy, mm-hmm. right? And so he knows how, like, he was watching this with me. He was like, that is a fucking crime. Like, they would be court-martialed. They would be the fuck out of there, especially if their sergeant knows or anything. But instead, because it's a white dude, they are turning a blind eye to this. Well, also, it's just like, yeah, is he going to get in trouble? And, absolutely and not. And why, <laughs> why not? Because, like, they would absolutely be in trouble. So this is, like, setting a problematic, like, I mean, not that I'm pro-military or anything, right? But this is setting them up for like oh like you all look like idiots and you're all being like well it's just it is just such a weird way to go about like this modern retelling of the story right like we're doing a remake and it's a modern retelling of it so it's just it's weird to 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 justify being in this place so like they're also there and they discover this tomb after the airstrike and the reason for the sarcophagus being there it's essentially like a prison which we'll get into in a second but it's a thousand miles away from egypt Right? That's what they've yes. expressed in to us. Mesopotamia, ancient Mesopotamia. Ancient Mesopotamia, yes. And so the justification for that is they had to do it in the Middle East because they had to get this quote unquote monster away from there and bury her somewhere else. Which right? I felt made sense. It did, 100%. But how do we tie the Middle East to Egypt? War. Well, also, here's. <laughs> Current war. Like, it's just. And that, that to me felt really weird and wacky. And I was like, that was so. At least, in my opinion, so unnecessary. Well, think about it. The first mummy didn't have any of this, right? No. Because we weren't at war in Afghanistan no. and everything yet, mm-hmm. right? But now that, or like the Middle East in general, and in 1999 and in 2017, who is the bad guys according to the majority of like, we need to go in there and we need to fix Iraq. We need yeah. to go, like, that's all fucked up and yeah. that's all bullshit. Yeah. So this is just feeding those types of It's egos. feeding that beast. It's feeding yeah. that that fear of brown people, that, that fear of, of non-Western culture. It's it's literally... 
from yeah. the 1920s, right? The 1920s ish, when the 1999 mummy takes place, yeah. to like 2017, right? To where this version takes place. They both start off with white dudes in a place that doesn't belong to them killing brown people yeah. for the sake of treasure. Yeah. And that is fucked that's up. That's super fucked up. So that's the mummy. <laughs> yeah. So this is the mummy. So this is the mummy. Um, but like, so so then like, let's talk into why they're there. So the reason that they are there is because Tom Cruise um, slept with a woman who ended up being like she had like this um this note that had said like you know go check out these coordinates blah 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 and he was like oh i'm gonna find this before her right yeah he stole he, it from her he stole it from her <laughs> after seducing her and yep. after sleeping with her right mm -hmm. and then he goes in and she's like what the fuck yeah and she's like this is my he stole her life's work yeah like he literally just in one night because he's a white dude and doesn't care about anything that she was doing or what she had going on, just takes what she has and said, this is mine now. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry, Fuck bye. Fuck off. And then, then she spends the whole movie trying to win his affection. Well, the, the first part, she doesn't, right? No, no, but, but she's turned off by him. But even after that, even after, like, he's expressing to her, I don't care about you and you don't matter to me because you don't exist, essentially, she's still kind of pining for his affection, which is just such a weird way to write that character because Tom Cruise sucks. Like, his character is shitty. I wouldn't be in love with him. No! And it's just it's just weird that this this person who is, like, so knowledgeable, she's worked so hard to get where she's at, is now falling for this asshole who stole from her, manipulated her, and treated yeah. her like nobody. Well, and let's, let's back up a bit. And I know, talk I'm, about I'm going to... Why, why it's so jarring that she became that person, because she didn't start off like that, right? No. So she, like, you know, they call in the airstrike on this place, and then, boom, oh, look, there's, like some egypt stuff here that's weird right mm -hmm. so she comes in i don't know how she found out about all this right because it was just within a matter of a couple of like an hour an or hour so, maybe she gets I would there say. yeah so she gets there and she's like you stole my life's work blah 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 and then tom cruise looks at his sergeant and is like i don't know who this bitch is and she's like Look, we slept together last night it's like it was a one night stand whatever he didn't really last that long and then he's like uh and and then he's like, Oof. well, she, I don't know. Like, he just starts backpedaling yeah. the whole time because he's just so, like, he's <laughs> like, well, you know how women, are. like, he, so his story changes from, like, oh, well, I've never seen her to, like, well, you know how women are. She's lying, right? Yeah. Like, and he starts to try to, like, he turns it on her from the get-go, and then he just keeps turning it even yeah. more to try to make it, like, he just, like, makes himself even more of an asshole if that's possible. And I'm just, and she's like, yeah, we boned, whatever, it's fine. And she's over it and she's like, yeah, you weren't great. And that's the end of the story. And his justification for possibly gaslighting and totally manipulating this person's story or abusing his power in the way that he is by spinning the story back on her started off because she essentially said he had a small dick or was bad at sex. And that kind that like, it's yeah. just so telling of straight white men in general at large. And that's the character. That's the hero of our story. That's who we're talking about. And he calls her a liar because yeah. of that. Like, he's like, oh, she's lying. You know, she doesn't know what she's talking about. Like, and it's like, and she's just like, yeah, whatever. Fuck off. Yeah. Right. So she starts off super strong. Yeah. Yeah. And then she gets into like, okay, let's go down into the. They're down in the thing. Tom Cruise is trying to steal gold. And so is Nick Miller from New Girl. And uh, Blondie's like, hey, what are you doing? We're here. Stop. And they're like, okay, I wasn't doing anything, but fine. Whatever. And it's just like goofy antics. 
they have to go for some reason. Somebody's coming and they can't like take anything. So they have to leave. And so Tom Cruise quickly just shoots the chain that's holding the sarcophagus down. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh no. And then it like pulls her up and they're like, look at this cool thing we just found. Pulls her out of the mercury pool. And then they decide to like es- excavate the sarcophagus and like take it to England. And in that process, a bunch of crows show up and it's like, that was a really cool scene where they're pulling her out of the ground and there's a bunch of crows just like cawing. And as a tie back, when she's like becoming the incarnate uh, of evil, there's those crows hanging from the ceiling who are like dead. But as yeah. evil's taking over her body, they're like awake and like, caw, 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 like freaking out. And I was like, this that is was really tight. cool. Yeah, it looked, it looked cool. It felt cool. It was just like the coolest thing. And um, so that's like sort of a replay from when that was happening, when they're excavating excavating the sarcophagus and then they get in the plane nick miller from new girl got bit by a bug that came out of the tomb a spider. i'm sorry spider if i were in that room when all those spiders came out i would have dove in the pool of mercury and i would rather die by mercury poisoning by a fucking spider by than being consumed by spiders like True. that Fuck yeah that. yeah no they were huge they were huge bugs so he's like getting obviously sick like he's not doing great they have the sarcophagus on board Tom Cruise is, like, still trying to sleep with this girl, but also is, like, disinterested and also, like, why did you belittle me and why did you talk about my small dick in front of the sergeant? It's your personality at this point. That's what we've deduced from this whole interaction because you're obsessed with it. And they're flying and this huge murder of crows is just, like, a cloud shows up and they're like, oh, no. And so they fly right into it. All the crows fly in, kill the pilots and everything. Now the plane's going down. This was my favorite scene in the movie because... As the plane's going down, they're, like, rolling around this, like, inception sort of thing. But they're also, like, actually uh, flying. So they, like, yeah. shot it in a real plane. So sick. It took them two days to shoot the scene. Oh, my God. And it was so cool. it was, like, and it was an actual falling plane that they were yes. in to shoot this. Um, which I didn't realize. And I was like, holy shit, that's really cool. Yeah. So, like, I mean, it's kind of a little boring because they, like, just roll around a couple times. Yeah. And I'm like... All right, I get it. Like, yeah. you know, but like, I mean, it's when you think about it being a real falling plane, it's like, wow, that's pretty tight. And yeah. also, I would be scared shitless. I would not do this. Yeah, you isn't know? That crazy? Um, but yeah, so uh, what I do love is that, like, the majority, because this is all t- the first 10 minutes, people. Yeah. Like, so when they go to England, that's where the story really begins. And that's, like, so the majority of the destruction takes place in England yeah. on white people's land, yeah. which I'm all about. Yeah. Rather than, like, because they, they're they the ones that deserve that rather than yeah. the fucking, you know, the native, like, uh, Iraqi or Egyptian people or, yeah. like, whatever whatever place that they're in because, like, the white man stole this. So they're now able to, like, so they're going to reap the destruction yeah. rather than just forcing it on the people that tried to keep them from that. So I thought that was fucking bananas and amazing. Also, to the fact that she's the one who brought down the plane, the mummy. Yeah. Because she's the one who brought the crows, and she's the one who yeah. knocked the plane down at that church at the very specific yes, place. Bitch. And I was like, ooh, yeah, she knows what's up. So that was sick. But the plane's flying down, and, like, he pushed Blondie out with the parachute. He pulled the ripcord, and then it pulled he, her out. Yeah, because yeah. he put the parachute on her, yes. right? Yeah, and yeah. I hated that, because I was like, this guy has been nothing but a fucking asshole, right? And he is such a dick, and all he cares about is his dick. And then, like, you know, he puts the parachute on her, and is like, great, this is going to be the one thing, his one redeeming move. Because I I don't, I'm a person that believes that one good act does not, 
erase a lifetime worth of shittiness. Oh, truly, yeah. And so I was like, oh, great. This is all we know about him now, yeah. you know, and now he's going to be fine. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, I, I rolled so hard at that point, right? And so, like, he pulls the ripcord for her. And, it, I mean, it comes out later that he didn't, like, she's like, I'm going to save you. Because, like, because that's the act that changes her motive to him. And she's mm -hmm. like, you're a good person. You saved my life. So she, like, kind of commits her life to this person at this point. And he's like, at, later comes out, he's like, oh, well, I didn't know there wasn't another parachute. Yeah. So he admit, like, I, I liked that he at least admitted that he didn't know that he was sacrificing himself. Yeah. So I liked that a lot. Same. It played back to his shitty character. But that also didn't matter in the yeah. end, you know? And I feel like it should have. I feel like, because uh, she was just like, oh, well, I mean, it's okay. Because, like, there's that weird, like, awkward, like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, sure. Like, sure. All right. But, like, even, like, the nice, good things that he does out of his heart are not actively because he's a good person. It is because he thinks, it's because he thinks that he's still going to be able to find a way out. Yes. You know, so it's not like, I'm sacrificing myself for you. It is like, all right, you're good. I'm going a, I'm to a take care of myself now. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out. Yes. I'll, I'll be fine. You'll be fine. Whatever. Go. Please leave. Yeah. Yeah. And then the plane crashes and then all Hubbard's lose. It's sick. But, like, um, so from that moment, essentially what happens is, like, the mummy is now free, and it the, the movie at this point can't decide if it's a horror movie or if it's an action movie. Yeah. And it doesn't do the, the thing of, like, being a horror action movie well. No. You know, because it's, like, it has these moments where it's, like, kind of scary, and then it's just, like, actually, like, I, I don't know. But it's, like, car rolling, falling out of the car, like... All, all like action adventure a zombie's like reaching in and he's like punching the zombie out of the car windshield and like they're avoiding all this stuff and like rips off his arms like ooh wacky prop throw like like it's it, it, it it's trying to be but it's not even campy no 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 at so, least the 1999 version is campy is campy because they you know like it felt very knowledgeable about what it's trying to do whereas this one's trying to like it's trying to be Mission Impossible but with zombies and it's just a little like <laughs> what why are you choosing to make this ha like it just it was very that was confusing because it's tom cruise it's also can i say so there's um tom cruise uh, apparently had so much control over this whole film and so much input in like the editing and the marketing and all this other stuff that it changed the pace and the style of the film supposedly or from from what i'm reading on my sources online and also um it went through two directors before falling on alan kurtzman who worked on things like hercules xena like alias he created fringe and shit like that so we know that he like you know he's in he's, this he's done, and yeah. he knows what the fuck he's doing because xena holy shit yeah holy shit xena Wild. Right? Um, like, talk about, like, what I hold on to as a kid. Fucking Zena and Gabrielle. <laughs> yeah. Babe. Gorge. So, um, and, so it went through three directors. So that's never a good sign. No. Right? And I, you can almost guarantee that that's the case. Right? With somebody like Tom Cruise, like, it's very evident that he had a lot of say-so in how his character was portrayed and wanted to make sure that, like... It was Tom Cruise. It was still Tom Cruise. Like... He was the he was the virile stud of the show. Like he had to be naked. He had to like not care about the girl, but he also had to get, be like be super loved. young. And he had right? to be, he had to be twenty talking... years old. Okay, so there's a line where Russell Crowe says to Tom Cruise, who Tom Cruise is two years Russell Crowe senior, something about like you know, oh you young dudes. What was it? What was that line? 
it was something calling Tom Cruise like way younger and stuff like that. So not only is Tom Cruise trying to talk about how like have his dick in this film, but also how young he is. Yeah. When like this dude is like two years his senior. Yeah, it's like I'm sorry. I know he wants to be like twenty. He wants to be. He wants to stay that person he was in Top Gun. Yes. That he's fucking. What is he? He's like? fully eighty-seven. Like yeah. Truly, he is eighty-seven years yeah, old. Yeah, he really is. And it's just. It's just so evident that, like, he had a lot to say. He had a lot of pull over how his character was portrayed, and that's probably why they went through so many directors. Again, speculation, but it seems pretty evident. It seems pretty clear that that's the case. And this movie really suffered for it. I feel like the movie could have been way better without Tom Cruise. So, um, but yeah, like, I mean, I don't know. Is there a lot more to talk about this? Because I feel like the most, um, like, I feel like there is more to talk about. But the most compelling things, I feel, were the movies themselves. Yeah. About, like, you know, in this. Um, I, I guess, like, I guess we should talk about, like, it was supposed to be the first, um, the first installment in the, what is it? The Dark Universe. Dark Universe franchise, yeah. right? Which immediately was um, indefinitely postponed after this film because it was, it did so horribly in theaters. And it I think it did so horribly because they didn't really give it a chance. Yeah. Right? Because this felt like, and we talked about it, like, it, this felt like an Avengers film. Like, they, they were trying to make this the Avengers of like monster films yeah. right because universal has always had like the the mummy dracula uh, invisible man swamp thing all of that yeah. right like back in the day and so now they're trying to be like oh well everybody wants all this big giant thing you know like so now like yeah let's put mr hyde in there let's do this and yeah like and even the soundtrack was like very it felt very superhero yes when i feel like it should if they had leaned into the macabre a bit more yes right you know like that like you know just a little bit eerie yeah just a little bit like you know a little bit how these monster films are supposed to be like they're yeah. like rather than explaining everything and rather than you know like letting it be so black and white like you know just leaning into the darkness a little yeah. bit yeah you know but it doesn't allow you that because even at the end like the mummy's uh powers are essentially like she's killed and Tom Cruise gets her gets these powers somehow, so, and now he's like a super white guy yeah, that it, goes back to fucking Iraq or wherever. He goes back to Egypt because Giza's in the back. Oh my Giza god! Giza in, in the background that they're riding off to, and Nick Miller, who's like still a zombie and dead and now also, alive like, or didn't something. Did he realize he was back alive? I it's because I thought he had died. Yeah, like and he was just like a figment of the imagination. Whatever. I it, it was very confusing, and also just the fact that. Tom Cruise, the his justification for like becoming the embodiment of evil, is Blondie dies, and he's like so overtaken by her death, which is like doesn't make sense because he didn't even like her. Um, he has the knife with like the jewel or the amulet or something that like possesses the power. If he destroys it, I guess he becomes the thing he most despised, which is the monster. I think I think like, the thing is like now he's cursed. Now he's supposedly cursed. he's cursed. Yeah. Oh no, he's cursed with like um like invincibility and yeah. shit like that. And oh, he has all of these things. Oh no. Rats. But like I think like but now he's essentially the superhero with the mummy's powers. Yep. So again, she lost all of her power to a man. Yep. You know, a white, a white man. Now this time to a white man. And now he possesses all of the power of the ancient Egyptian people and the incarnate of evil from their culture. Ugh. So if we're gonna just like go ahead and have a fun time with this, let's like let's liken this to the Last Samurai, oh my God. <laughs> where Tom Cruise does the. Oh my God, it's 
too much and Tom Cruise needs to stop. And I think this is just a call out post for Tom Cruise. Like we need to stop him. We need to make his career end. We need him to stop making films. Just be a Scientologist. Yeah. It's okay just to do that. Just go stay just in do, the temple. Just, go just speak at your events. Like it's chill. We don't need to see you in, in popular media and popular culture anymore. We don't need that. We do not need you anymore. Um, but that's, I think the, the, yeah, that's the end of the movie. Um, do you think that the 1999 version that you grew up with held up to the standards that you had had set forward in your own head? I feel like in some ways it did. Yeah. In the sense that, like, representation matters. Yes, right? truly. I always hold on to the female characters so much more than I hold on to the male characters. Absolutely. Because I'm looking... I didn't have a great a great background myself, mm -hmm. right? And so, like, the people in films and TV and things like that, I felt like were kind of, like, showing me what's okay, what's not okay, how I can, like, break the mold and things like that, right? Yeah. And so when it comes to things like, you know, empowerment and things like that, that's what I looked to. Yeah. Was, like, and in the 90s, you know, there was that really patronizing... 1990s like girl power bullshit yeah but for me it's amazing how far we've come like people always say that we haven't come far enough right which we haven't for yeah. sure like but we're getting better than we were in the 1990s because now we can look at these films and be like holy shit home improvement was very very problematic yeah. right married with children holy shit yep. like and we can like these things like we can like these things as, like, you know, their time capsule and things like that, but recognizing that they weren't progressive, that they were actually regressive, things yeah. like that, right? Totally. So, for me, 1990s Mummy held up in the fact that I can relate so much to Rachel Weisz, right? <laughs> because I feel like her struggle, as much as we want to say that we're not still there yeah, as, as women in these spaces of knowledge and things like that, we very much are, mm -hmm. you know, um, and it's getting better, but it's not, people want to pretend like sometimes like it's, oh yeah, everything's fixed, but it's really not. No. You know? I mean, we still uh, exist in a patriarchy like that. We do. That and is... that's why like pay disparity and all this other mm -hmm. stuff, all of these issues that, you know, um, we're still living through it and yeah. we're still figuring out how to fix this. Yes. You know? So I feel like her specific character, like you said, she, the mummy doesn't exist without her. Yes. And that film would not exist without Rachel Her Weiss. drunk rant when she is just talking to, like, O'Connell, like, completely uninhibited. And she's so confident. And she's like, that was everything. It was gorgeous. That she's was so good. Everything. Honestly, yeah. Yep. And, uh, and I can still really relate. And in a lot of ways, I feel like we're still, a lot of us maybe still feel like that. Yes. You know? And mm -hmm. like her. You know, if you don't, that's great. I'm so happy for you. Yeah. But um, things are changing. Mm -hmm. They're getting better. But to me, like, it's important to go back to this and be like, everything else was a little bit worse than I remember it. But her character, I feel like, really holds up. True. Absolutely. And I feel the same way. I think generally it's tricky because, like you said, at that time, a lot of stuff wasn't really at the forefront of thought as far as, like, uh, socio-equity or, or cultural equity in any capacity. Like, it still was very much just, like, us versus them and white people rule. Mm -hmm. Like, white people rule. Like, it was just... It was so goofy. And it really shines through in this movie at how much that was evident and how clear it was in telling this story. Um, but Rachel Weisz's character was fantastic. She was the film for me. 
Um, and the and the new it, mummy, like the mummy, was the character for me. Absolutely, yeah. Like, and she was the one. Like, I kind of wanted to see her succeed. I did too. You know, and I I'm so <laughs> sad that at the end again can like. The dude took the the knowledge and the motivation from the woman and took that as his own. Yeah. And so now the woman means, means nothing because they, like, the dude now has this. Yes. You know, so uh, I, like, in both films, I don't feel like the women got justice. No. You know, even if she's a bad guy, whatever. Like, she was a great bad guy because she was complicated. She was sick, yeah. You know, and uh, she was just overly sexualized, mm-hmm. you know, in a way that she didn't need to be. Yeah. But, like, yeah, like, they, they both didn't get their justice, and I feel like the women really are what made this thing shine. Yep. And I... <sighs> did we need this? Did we need this new adaptation? No, absolutely not. I don't, I don't think we did. I either. don't think we needed it. I do like that it was essentially a vessel for... What What is that actor's name who played the mummy in the newest one? Sophia Butella. She is sick. She was fantastic in this movie. She was the highlight of it. We did not need this film, though. I don't think we need to recreate it. The only reason it was recreated was to be a part of this new, like, dark universe thing. They're trying to set this whole stage for all this these remakes of classic monster movies. It was not necessary. Did I enjoy it? Yes. Was it fun and wacky? Yes. Um, was the story bad? Absolutely it was. Uh, but she was great. Tom Cruise is trash. Nick Miller is fine. Um, and that's it. Yeah, and I feel like, <laughs> I feel like even, like, the, like, so if we're going based on remakes, I feel like the 1999 one was a good one. It was, yeah. You know? Of the three, um, it's my favorite. Yeah, I, I agree. I liked the 1932 one because women saved women. Yes. You know, because they never allowed the men to be the, to save them. Yeah. You know, and so I loved that. And I, I loved, you know, that the women's knowledge in the, the, 1999 version like that's you know that kind of progressed the whole the whole thing right but like in each story the the woman is the co-star yeah she's never the star Mm -hmm. you know and like they're never like and i know that we didn't get into like you know things like dr jekyll or things like that and like you know i'm sorry but this this was not his film it's not even necessary we don't need to care about Rachel crow we don't need to care about them setting the stage for this universe yeah i mean well well maybe if they continue making their stuff which i i hear that they're going to continue making that stuff like we'll talk about this then and there but right now like what i want to focus on is is the mummy right and so in each one it felt like you know, reincarnation was a big thing, right? Um, their motivation in the first two was love, and the second one was jealousy, yeah. right? And that's when they gender bent it because yeah. it can't be love for the woman; it has to be jealousy for yeah. it to be menacing. Truly, and even in the titular role, she's not even the main character. <laughs> the main character is Tom Cruise, but she was but the she's most the compelling. Mo- I, but but that's just playing back onto the idea that like the stories are going to be just about the men, like you said. It's yeah. now about jealousy. It's not about love because women can't have that power, right? And even when she is the mummy in The Mummy, Tom Cruise is still the star. For whatever reason, he is the hero. The The name of the film, the, the film is named after her. Yes, but she's not the star. But she's not allowed to she's be. She's not allowed that. to be, no. Because she's um, she. Yes. Wild. Oh. That shit. That's so gross. But, like, so, and each time the men save the women based on things that, like, things and tools, or, or like, even the whole story gets set into motion and gets rectified by 
the women through the women's knowledge. Yeah. Or through the women's resources, right? Through like the Jekyll University or whatever, whatever the fuck that was. <laughs> like but... the Jackal Palace. <laughs> Jekyll Palace. I would love to see more of the Dark Universe. Same. But like. Only because I secretly want to talk about it on this. Same. <laughs> I, I just want to see what they would do. I don't expect any of them to be actually good, but I wanted to see the visuals. Especially, and I know we're going to wrap up here in a sec, but Johnny Depp is apparently cast with the Invisible Man. Uh, and I don't give a shit. Stop casting him in stuff. Stop giving him clearance or credence or leeway. He sucks. Stop fucking casting him in stuff. And especially this director who's just like, I want the best of the best. It's like... He's a fine actor. Whatever. Who cares? It doesn't matter. He sucks. Stop giving him stuff. In the same way that we keep... So a big part of this podcast and yeah. why we're starting it is to highlight the fact that we're only retelling the same stories. Right? Yeah. And so that's why we're comparing and contrasting them and trying to do deep dives into all of them. Right? Uh, or in all of the iterations of them. But the main problem right now is that rather than allowing new stories to be told, rather than allowing new directors or new writers or new actors or anything to be in these starring roles or in these major roles, we are allowing the same fucking people and the same stories to be told. And it's like white-centric stories, too. It's just stories where the white people are the white, heroes. White straight-centric. White straight-centric, thank you. Yeah. Where it just... It, it doesn't have to be, and we can change, and we're starting to see some of that change, but... Why not fully go for it and say, yeah, let's tell the story we haven't heard before. Let's tell the story from this culture made by the people of that culture, giving them the platform to be creative, to create something new and unique. Not even new and unique, rather, new to a Western audience and new to white audiences, and not take a story from them and tell it with a white lens. Like, we... Without pandering. Without pandering, yeah. Because, like, that's what we had in the 90s, right? It was girl power, cool, like, oh, girls fight, blah, blah, blah. But it's okay, they're friends in the end, blah, blah, blah. Or without being like, look, isn't it cool that this person's gay? Yeah, right? Which is, like, it's so fucked up because then like their whole character becomes like i like gay rather a, than yeah. that just being like a, a footnote yeah. right you know like it, that is their character it's not a unique or, or a fully realized character they just become a trope at that point they yes. become they become a, 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 a just an, an object a prop almost it's like oh well we also have the black person and the gay person and the woman and this and it's like these are all just essential props in a white man's story and we need to stop telling that white man's story so we talked about a lot a lot a lot of things Mm -hmm. um in conclusion the boris karloff 1932 version who is this for and did we like it i think it was just for general audiences because they didn't want to lean too far into the taboo with the things that they cut from it i think it was just to scare people because they weren't used to being scared in True. this way. Yeah. Did you like it? I loved it. Cool. Did you like it? I did. Um, I did like it. I thought it was very fun as a scary movie. I was like, that's cool. I loved the makeup. It wasn't very scary, but the makeup was super sick. And I think it was, in my opinion, for general audiences, the same. But at that time, uh, I do think general audiences generally meant men. So, yeah, that's true. That was my take. Mm-hmm. Um, nineteen ninety nine. Was it progressive, regressive? Did it say anything new or interesting, or was it the same? I think it was a little regressive because in the first one, she was so 
independent, and this one she had to rely on dudes for literally everything. Yeah. So yeah, I think it was uh, regressive, and I don't think that it was interesting because it felt like Indiana Jones, you know. Yeah. But, but with the woman and the woman was smart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, what about you? Uh, I feel the same way. I think it was regressive for the very same reasons. From looking back on it, I thought that this movie was way less problematic than it was, but that's just because I've grown and I've learned so much uh, since it's have. come out. We all have, right? <laughs> so going back, it it felt weird going back and seeing certain things that we discussed, but um, yes, I do think it was regressive. Who was it for? It was for anybody that loved Indiana Jones. It was, just, it was just, like, again, I feel like it was for general audiences. There wasn't really, like... They were also being a little bit pandering. Like, it, it was just kind of, like, for everyone. Yeah. There wasn't a specific market, I don't think. I think it was specifically written just for Harrison Ford. <laughs> Only him. They made this movie for him, and that's it. And then he said no. And then he said no, thanks. And they're like, I've well, already done we'll this. We'll get to like, the jungle. Right, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, did we like it? Did we like it? Did you of like course, it? Of course. I loved it. Yeah, same. I, like, you know, it had its moments where yeah. it was... The not great, but I still really love this film, and Same. I will watch the shit out of it oh if it's God. ever on TV. Me too. I loved it. I I like even with all of its shit. I think it's a f- wonderful film. I think it's so fun. It is. It is a wacky adventure film, and I liked it. I liked it, and I like it. I like both mm-hmm. of them. Yeah. Okay. So, what about the 2017 one? Uh, so, compared to its predecessors, was it newer and interesting? Because of the gender reversal of the mummy, I think that that was new and interesting. But as a whole film, I do not think it was new or interesting. And I thought it was regressive in the same ways that the Brendan Fraser one was. Mm -hmm. Because of its treatment of um, Native people and women at large. But the idea of um, making the main villain who are predominantly men... Uh, a woman and then having that sort of transposition within its narrative that was sick i thought that was cool i totally agree with that i don't think i (laughs) I don't think i could have said that any better like the the most interesting part about this was the mummy herself yeah and how they rewrote that character but nothing else was new yeah it was all just kind of shitty in the same yeah 100 percent um, who was it for? Who is this one for? Uh, it's for Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's it. No, I, well, actually, no. I'm gonna stand by this. It was only for Tom Cruise because of all the directorial disputes that he'd had. Um, all of like how he just like jumped in and kind of made this his movie. He made this movie for him. That's it. End of story. Nobody else mattered in this film. Obviously, as we saw through the narrative, nothing was important apart from Tom Cruise making sure that people know he's only 24. <laughs> And he has a big dick. And he has a big dick. And he gets me. Yeah. So he. The, yeah. The movie is for Tom Cruise. <laughs> and Tom Cruise alone. <laughs> I agree because nobody else fucking saw it. Yeah. Nobody else saw it. <laughs> oh, man. For Tom Cruise. For Tom Cruise. For Tom Cruise. Did we like it? I enjoyed it. I didn't yes. like it. But I enjoyed it because of the mummy. I could give a shit less about anything else about this film. Yeah. It was messy. But I just wanted to see more of the mummy. Agreed. So I'm in the exact same boat. However, I will also include Nick Miller from New Girl because of, and I will say this fully and clearly, my crush on him and the charmingness I find when I watch him act because he's just doing the same character. But Nick Miller from New Girl and um, the mummy herself 
were the reasons I enjoyed this movie. I did not like this movie. Cool. Cool. Awesome. All right. So thank you so much for listening. This has been Nostalgia. If you'd like, you could write into us at nostalgiapodcast at gmail.com. Uh, we'd like to thank David Tercero for providing technical support. And Danny Barkley for both editing and producing this podcast. See you later. I guess so, yeah. yeah. Thank you for listening to episode one. Thank you, Jess. Thank you, Eric. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.